Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years as a banker to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. We have three great guests on the show today, uh, Gabe Tilly with King Steel. Gabe, welcome. So glad you're with us on the show. And hey, Bill. Good to be here. Tara Winslow, the consultative realtor. So Kel- Tara, so glad to have you and want to dive into that consultative when we get a chance to talk. And Rob Swartwood. Uh, Rob is an attorney. Uh, has started his own firm. Rob, welcome. So glad that uh, that you've come on Profit Sense today. Gabe, I'm going to start with you. you. You know, we first met uh, through your CPA, Craig Pate, with Wilson Lewis. And uh, you and uh, uh, your partner, uh, Marvin, uh, acquired King Steel. Uh, before we get into that, I really just want to uh, uh, ask you a little bit about the history uh, behind King Steel, and talk maybe a little bit after the history with some of the core values uh, that you've instituted in the firm since you purchased it. Uh, sure, you know uh, King Steel was started uh, in 1990. Um, Charles King and Jerry Sutter started the company, and uh, and both of them had worked in the steel business a, a long time, um, and. Uh, they kind of got into it by accident. They had such a good reputation that uh, they uh, they were asked to do some uh, a little bit of work for for other fabricators around. And and uh, again, that was in 1990, and it just kept growing and growing. And uh, and my partner Marvin actually used to work with those guys uh, uh, when they worked for a different steel company. So. Fast forward a couple of years and they were looking to retire and, uh, and Marvin had that relationship with those guys and we just had a great opportunity, uh, to, to buy them out and continue King steel, uh, the great reputation King steel has. And, uh, that was actually, uh, the purchase was complete three years ago yesterday. And wow. uh, so it's, yeah, thank you, thank you. It's uh, it's been tough, but very rewarding. And uh, you know, it's uh, we've grown uh, a lot. Um, uh, I've grown a lot. It's uh, you know, they don't uh, they don't teach you a lot of things in school that you need to need to know as a business owner. So, uh, um, but no, with the last three years, it has, has it's been very challenging, but uh, it, it's been great. Marvin and I, you know, we we work great together. And uh, and you mentioned core values, um, you know, Marvin and I's always uh, even before we we bought King Steel, we we're 
both on the same level of uh, always doing the right thing. And uh, as easy as that sounds to do the right thing, it does get difficult at, at times, you know, because money does come in, is always involved in doing the right thing. And, uh, but we, we feel it pays dividends in the end to uh, treat our customer that way and also treat, treat our vendors that way. Uh, you know, our, our vendors are a big part of what we do. And uh, if they don't have the confidence in us to do the right thing, they're not going to work with us anymore. So uh, um, that's what we do. That's what we've lived by is, is doing the right thing, treating people right. And, uh, and it's paid off. Well, I'm, and I know being in the metal fabricating business in construction, uh, often you're the critical path because you're the ones that are really on the front end of the construction. Uh, so I'd, I'd really uh, like to hear a little bit of the story when uh, you and Marvin decided to purchase King Steel. Uh, there was certainly a purpose uh, that you had in doing that. So uh, talk a little bit about not only your purpose for purchasing the firm, but also uh, your purpose as an organization, how you put yourself out there in the marketplace. You know, the, the, the purpose in buying it was, uh, you know, you, uh, for me, you know, I, I, I always had a, a dream of owning my own, my own company, uh, but I never thought it was really a reality. Uh, I never pursued it. Um, you know, I was always comfortable in working for, for others and, and I took pride in it. Uh, and, and this thing, uh, it, it kind of happened. And, you know, my initial gut reaction was, no, I don't want to, I, I don't want to get involved with it. But then the more you think about it, um, you know, you kind of talk yourself into doing something and, and others believing in you, you know, my wife being an important part of that saying, you can do it, you know, what what do you, you know, now's the time. If you, if you wait too much longer, you're never going to have that opportunity again. And and you'll always be looking back, you know, what if I would have, what if I would have? So, uh, you know, having, having other people believe uh, that, yeah, you can do it. It it was a big deal. And, uh, you know, Marvin and I, I've always respected Marvin, um, you know, I, I, I joke around, uh, I got the better end of this partnership. He is, uh, uh, a, you know, great guy, but also just, just a great partner. And, and you need that in, in diving into something like we did. Um, but it, it, uh, you know, it was, it was very easy for, uh, you know, once we got into it to, to make that leap and, uh, um, you know, that was, that was a, it was big for us to do that. Um, now our company, um, you know, moving forward, it's, it's, uh, you know, it was, it was so big to get people and that worked here for the previous owners to be on our side, you know, to, to trust us, uh, to see kind of our vision. And and that's a lot uh, tougher uh, than it actually sounds to get people to believe in, in two guys that they don't know that now all of a sudden they're the bosses. And, uh, um, but I, I think in three, three short years, we've done that. We've got a great team and, and we're moving forward. Yeah. So, uh, you packed a lot in just a few words, Gabe, the, <laughs> the things that stand out to me are yes, uh, three years has gone by. 
uh, you had an opportunity and you seized it. Second, not all partnerships work out. Uh, but I agree with you. Having worked with with you and Marvin for about two years as your coach, uh, I've seen how your partnership works. You have each other's back. You play to each other's strengths. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, the core values that you've built, you know, doing the right thing, not only for uh, for your clients, uh, for your employees, um, all of that doesn't always happen the way it's happened in your situation. Uh, I'm just kind of wondering for maybe that listener in our audience who might be where you were three years ago, might be presented with that opportunity. uh, What would you say to that person um, reflecting back on where you were three years ago? Yeah. You know, just, um, you know, if, if I could go back, I, I think I would um, dig into the company a little bit more than we did. If you're, if you're buying a company, um, you know, again, it, it's, uh, we did our due diligence, we went through, but um, there were a couple of things, you know, in buying a company, you, unless you ask, you don't always get all the answers if that makes any sense. So, so getting under the rocks, getting under, getting down deep, spending a little bit more time, uh, you know, who are the main clients, you know, who is, who are the target clients, who, what are the main relationships? Um, and that was, uh, that was something we did a little bit. We were mainly focused on dollars and cents. Um, and buying the company and not really focused on who the actual customers were. And then when we come in on day one, um, you know, I had other customers, but we really, really wanted to spend time on the existing customers. And we didn't, we didn't really know who those guys were on day one. Um, So that would be my advice is, is, you know, Dollars and cents is one part of it, but uh, you know when you can when you come in on day one, uh, you've got to sell that next job. And um, who who am I going to be selling it to? Is it going to be Gabe Tilly's customer or is it going to be a King Steel's customer? And right. and that was something uh, I personally did not dig into as much as as I wish I would have. Sure. However, looking at the results you've achieved over the last two years, uh, it certainly has to be gratifying to see uh, uh, all of the hard work, uh, you know, that you and Marvin have put in to to see the results that you've had over the last couple of years, especially in a tough economy last year. Sure. So that, I want to that's right. Look- absolutely. No, it I was just going to say, absolutely. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, the last couple of years, uh, it, it's been tough, but we, uh, um, we, we had a good year last year and, uh, you know, this year has started out, um, um, with selling a, a couple of good jobs to, uh, um, actually to, to a new customer that, uh, kind of, uh, heard about us word of mouth, um, that we do a, a great job and that, that makes us feel, uh, um, makes us feel uh, really good with what we've done the last few years. 
Well, and, you know, it is so important for all of us to have those raving fan clients out there that are putting a lot of positive buzz out there in the marketplace. So uh, that's uh, that's like gold, Gabe, when you have sure. uh, have clients that are uh, putting a lot of positive uh, uh, words out there on your behalf. Um, that really speaks well of, of you and the brand that you've built. So talking a little bit about the brand, you have also, in addition, having some core values, you've also committed you and the team to making some, some brand promises out there as you do business day after day, year after year. Uh, talk a little bit about what some of those brand promises are. Well, it's, uh, you know, we have to fight real hard to sell a job. A customer can find one little thing to not give us a job. And so we, we focus really hard on, we, we never want to be the biggest steel fabricator in the U S we are very focused on being the best. And uh, we don't, we did not want to give a, customer an excuse not to use us uh, because it is it's hard enough to sell a job when everything goes perfect um so uh, you know uh, as as far as branding uh king steel's brand um you know we we fight hard to to give a customer um the correct information up front on day one and then whatever we whatever promise we make, we fight like heck uh, to make sure that 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 product we sell, we do exactly what we say we're going to do. And uh, and it's we do that and, and we don't make promises we can't keep. And uh, we uh, we spend a lot of time with our our customers on the front end of a project um, being honest with them, you know, hey, this um, you know, we didn't see this going this way, you know, Hey, let's talk about it. Let's get it done. Let's, uh, let's figure it out. And, uh, um, it, it, again, that pays dividends, uh, in the long run, being up front with somebody, um, on day one, it's, it's a big deal for us. Uh, and, and it's, it's paid off. Like I said, we're, we're not going out trying to sell every project in the United States, but the projects we do get, um, we we want them to run perfectly. And so uh, we're at the beginning of a new year. It looks to me like uh, the economy is certainly going to uh, uh, continue to perform well. Uh, there's still some outliers, but I'm wondering, as you and Marvin uh, thought about what 2021 might look like for King Steel, uh, you probably set some goals. So talk a little bit about uh, maybe your goal setting process and maybe talk a little bit about what do you feel like are some uh, critical goals that you and your firm want to achieve this year? Um, you know, goals, uh, you know, for, for us, um, Grow a, a goal of growing the business hasn't always been there. We we have grown the last three years, but it, it's really um, little growth. But the the um, 
I guess the backlog, if you will, perfecting that backlog. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not, uh, um, we're not going out trying to grow the company by 10, 15% a year, you know, and with that, you add a, a whole lot of, uh, um, more issues that, uh, we, we want to keep the business about the same, maybe pick up a new customer every year. Um, but have that, have that group, that core group of customers that we can really focus on. And, uh, and in, in doing that, um, you, you know, Bill, you've taught us, uh, the power of 1%, you know, you pick up 1%, um, but also, you know, cutting 1% of cost in that. And, uh, and we take that to heart. That was a great lesson. And we talk about it every week in our production meetings is, uh, is the power of that 1%. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't look like a, a, a big deal, uh, today, but you do it every day and, uh, and, and it starts adding up. And, uh, um, so that was, uh, that was great advice from you. And, and we, we talk about it every week. Well, and so talking about that little known fact, you know, we've talked about this in our, in our coaching meetings, uh, a 1% improvement in your top line, uh, is usually equivalent to about an eight to a 10%, uh, increase in your bottom line. So, right. you know, I have seen how you and Marvin have really taken that to heart, uh, really implemented it in your business and have really seen the fruit uh, of implementing that because uh, in the two years, you've certainly had revenue growth, uh, but you've also had increased profitability. So, uh, listen, right. I'd love to have... Uh, I'd love to have 10 other coaching clients just like uh, you and Marvin. You've, you've done a fabulous job of, of building that business. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. One of the things, uh, in case we have some, uh, some contractors out there in our listening audience who might be looking for a uh, great uh, steel fabricator, how does someone who hasn't done business with you before uh, get in touch with you or Marvin? Uh, you know, you can, uh, uh, give me a call uh, on my, uh, cell phones. The best way to get me, I, I'm all the time running around, uh, 404-731-7150, um, or shoot me an email at G Tilly, G T I L L E Y at kingsteelinc.net. Well, Gabe, it has been great having you on the show this morning and, uh, uh, continued, uh, success in the business. Uh, I hope this, uh, this fourth year, uh, is even better than the second and the third, uh, and excited about the future that, uh, that you and Marvin have in front of you. So thanks again sure. for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it, Bill. So now we're going to spend some time with Tara Winslow, Tara is the consultative realtor. Uh, Tara and I were, were introduced uh, by a common acquaintance. And so, Tara, I just want to kick off. You know, there are a lot of realtors in Atlanta. Um, some people view that as a little bit of a commodity. Uh, it's really hard to differentiate yourself in that space. But it seems like you've been incredibly good at that. So. So talk a little bit about how you're different 
and what makes you as successful as you are. Good morning, and thanks for having me here this morning, Bill. I'm excited, and um, yeah, I think there are over 30,000 realtors in Atlanta, which sounds kind of crazy. I think many of them are also part-time, too, so I think that is in that bucket. Um, You know, for me, you, um, you and I have talked about courage, right? leaving a job that we held before. So I was in corporate America for 12 years and um, in the Fortune 100 space selling technology, which was great and made me successful. And um, I helped a lot of companies succeed. And it was not one of my passions. It didn't wake me up in the morning where I was like, I got to get to my job and and really help people, you know? (laughs) So I had this thing with real estate that I love the negotiation. I love being around it and helping by consulting with people to make great decisions for themselves. So I decided to jump off the bandwagon and leave um, corporate America over nine years ago. And I've been in residential real estate for the last nine years at the same um, company. So I, I hang my license in Keller Williams, Peach Road office in Brookhaven. And I've been here, this is my first and only office. And and I, I love it. And I still love what I do every morning. And I wake up motivated at 5am every day, and I'm ready to start my day and see who I can help. Yeah, you know, I had a similar experience when I left corporate America. I can remember thinking back uh, 12 years ago when I took the leap that that you took. Uh, every morning almost felt like Christmas morning where you had this excitement, this anticipation. You were maybe going to open up a, a present by seeing a potential new client. Uh, and, you know, that feeling just kind of continues, doesn't it, Tara? Mm-hmm. It does. You know, there's this um, statistic um, in my world that 80% of realtors don't make it past two years in their business. And um, when you're talking about taking the jump and leaving, you know, your salary and commission structure behind, you know, it was a really scary moment in time, those first couple of months back then. I mean, I, I still remember it. <laughs> um, and uh, looking back, I just I don't really look back on it anymore because it's such an exhilarating feeling that I get doing what I'm doing. So, yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I, I agree with you. Well, and it does take courage to make that jump. I'm wondering, uh, was there a pivotal moment or a pivotal thought uh, that caused you uh, to make the jump? I think the overall, what really motivated me was when I was working really hard, one of my core values is having a high level, a high work ethic. And when I'm working really hard in corporate America and uh, in sales, things change often. Your your client base changes, your commission structure changes during the middle of the year, your managers change. And it's it's a pretty brutal environment, really. I mean, every Monday, you have to talk about what you're going to do that week. And I was thinking, you know, 
I already know I'm motivated. I don't, I don't need to be in a sales meeting and have someone try to motivate me. Um, I already know that that's something I can do. And I think overall, that was what really just lit a fire under me to get me to make a change and go into something that was a little scary, becoming a business owner versus being an employee, right? Um, so that I think that was it for me, Bill. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So we're almost a year into COVID. Uh, how has COVID affected the real estate market? Share some thoughts on that. Yeah, let me give you a fun fact. Right now, today, in the in-town market, if no one else listed their house for sale, the inventory would be purchased within less than two months. Wow. Okay. Um, that's a statistic, and that's um, from one of our statisticians, external to Keller Williams, tells us. Um, I can give you another fun fact that I've been dealing with the past day. One of my listings got over 25 offers in a day and a half. That's insane. It is nuts. It's insane. In the beginning of COVID, when we look back at our numbers, I, I really like to look at numbers and provide data to my clients because I think that really helps them make decisions better. Uh, when you look at what happened with COVID in the beginning, you have a dip. You have about a 60-day dip in sales, the number of houses that sold. After that, our numbers for the number of houses sold has been higher over the past couple of years. So we recovered and now we're exceeding and thriving in a COVID market, which is fast, still fascinates me. And what we're seeing is we're, we're in our houses a lot more, right? You have your spouse at home or, you know, another adult that you're living with, both of you guys are working and you hear each other and you're like, okay, this is just not going to be very professional. So we have to get a bigger house to have two offices. And then throw in children. I have a I have a young child, and um, I homeschooled for a little bit. Thankfully, he's he's not being homeschooled by me anymore. But um, you have children at home who need to be homeschooled, and they need their own door that you can close. So people are buying bigger. They are buying bigger yards because we need more space right now to get outside and get exercise and relieve our stress. And we're also finding some of the trend is that we're the open concept, which everyone loves, and, and you still love it, but we're really needing more rooms to close off. So there's a lot of different trends going on with the COVID, the new COVID lifestyle that people are living. Yeah. So a follow-on question, I'm going to phrase it a little bit differently. So obviously that two-month supply means inventory is incredibly low. So how are you first locating homes for your buyers and then winning in multiple offers? <laughs> Those are excellent questions. Um, one of the first things that I do, whether I'm meeting with someone who wants to sell their house or buy a house, is let's sit down and have a consultation. 45, 60 minutes. Let's talk about what your goals are. Why Why are you in transition? What's the reason for wanting to make that move now? And really understanding the criteria. And I, I like to really begin as a team. So we do a team strategy to go forward to find that house that you're looking to move into or why you're selling and where you need to go next. Understanding the motivation, 
the criteria, what's happening in my clients' lives is essential for me to find houses for them. So what I'll do from a buying perspective is let's talk about the specific criteria. Let's locate, and I'm giving away one of my secrets. This isn't all of my strategies, okay? Um, Let's locate a neighborhood or two that you see you and your family living in. And then I do the work. So the work, you know, I came from corporate America. I was used to being on the phone all the time. And I pick up the phone and I'm calling homeowners to see who might be willing to sell and who's looking to take advantage of the market and build wealth for themselves through their equity that they have. So I uncover properties. That's one strategy I use for my buyers. From a selling perspective, it's a little bit different. Um, I mean, a lot of things are selling. Not everything is selling. And that's more of a hyper-local conversation that I have with my sellers. Um, And I door knock. I still door knock. I do go on with my mask, just so everyone knows. And I, you know, I step away from the door so I'm not in anyone's face. I do that for my sellers to see if maybe one of their neighbors might want to pick their, I mean, one of their neighbors, current neighbors, wanting to pick their new neighbor to live next to them. So those are two of my strategies, but there are plenty of strategies that need to be employed to get a house in today's market. So you piqued my curiosity when you started talking about consultation. Uh, And I don't want to stray from that at the moment. Uh, A consultative approach means you put the client before the transaction Uh, Many realtors, I perceive, may not always do that. They're really more interested in the transaction. So how do you capture the needs of your clients through that consultation? It's asking them questions, a series of questions, asking them a little bit different way, because sometimes they don't have clarity. You know, many times you know that you want to do something, but you're not clear on the direction or where the location, whatever it is for them. So it's really a series of questions. They're doing the talking and it's about them and meeting their goals. And I think Gabe, you know, talked about this when you're when you're choosing to be successful helping others and making them meet their goals and make them happy. That's what brings me joy and satisfaction. And I hope that that comes across to my clients when we are doing our interviews. Um, And and I'm interviewing them too, just to see where they are as well, to make sure we can meet their needs. And now is the best time for them. Sometimes it's not the best time. Absolutely. So with home prices on the rise in 20, is 2021 a year People want to invest in properties? Well, let me get my crystal ball out, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think now the prices are rising. I still think it's a great investment. You know, you talk to your wealth advisor, right? The long game is, it's the long game in, in real estate and when you're investing your money in the market. So it's a long game, it's a long view. And I think the rental And Airbnb market is an exceptional market if someone wants to diversify their portfolio and build wealth and get a really great tenant in there or maybe do the short term rentals. I I think it's I think there's this is the best time to invest in real estate. 
So uh, as we close, talk a little bit about who your ideal client is. Well, you know, as I as you I mentioned, you know, my background's in corporate America. Um, I my company name is Winslow Home Professionals. I tend to gravitate towards others who are running their businesses or in corporate America. Um, they um, are very strategic in their how they approach their finances. Uh, that is an ideal client to me, and someone who is willing to get to know me and allow me to be their trusted advisor from a um, standpoint of a of looking at it from a real estate. It, a lot of my clients are typically purchasing and now they're selling their first house and purchasing something that accommodates a growing family right now would be one. I also handle a lot in the senior market which could be a downsize. I have senior parents. I love them. I want to do my best for them so that they're the most educated to make great decisions. And most of my business is referral-based, Bill. So I welcome a great person into my life to help them. So in case we have any listeners who are about to either buy a home or sell a home, how do they get in touch with you? Absolutely. They can call me on my phone at 404-419-3500. They can send me an email at tara.winslow at kw.com. And I'm happy to um, do a complimentary consultation to see if now is a great time for you. Well, Tara, some great insight into the real estate market. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time and, and sharing your expertise. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. And so I want to now spend some time with Rob Swartwood. Uh, Rob's company is Concilium. Uh, Rob's a business attorney. Uh, not only does... Uh, outside general counsel work, but also has a boutique business law firm that uh, will also help business owners exit their business. Rob, so glad to uh, have you and and to start. Tell us a little bit about you, uh, where you come from, uh, where your background is, and what you do now. Yeah, thanks, Bill. It's a pleasure to, to be with everyone today. Um, I originally grew up in Michigan, so uh, I like to tell folks that I am Yankee by birth, but Southern by choice. Um, uh, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, to be exact. And if you know anything about Flint, um, they haven't always gotten the best uh, press over the years. So I lived a fairly uh, blue collar life in the wake of the economic vacuum, I think, that was created when General Motors uh, really began to automate their assembly lines um, and consolidate their organization in the, the late 70s and the early 80s. Of course, Michigan was a great place to grow up, but it was really cold. Uh, and as a, even as a young man, I, I didn't think that there was a tremendous amount of opportunity there. Um, I was a, a idealistic young man and my parents took me on a trip when I was seven or eight years old, 
uh, to the countryside of New York. My family hails originally from Holland, and we came to the United States in the fifteen, the late 1500s, um, and, and we settled in New York. So we were on this family uh, trip, and we, we visited the United States Military Academy at West Point. And it was like the lights went on, and I was immediately hooked. Um, shortly after that, I knew that I would someday go to West Point, uh, that I would become an infantry officer in the Army, and that I would ultimately lead soldiers in combat. Uh, in, in June of 2001, I graduated from West Point as an infantry officer, and so September 11th, of course, happened three months later. So, you know, as they as they say, the rest is is history. Um, I had a very good military career. I served for about 14 years, included some time that I did even before I went to West Point as a as an Army reservist. Um, but I ultimately knew that I wanted to do something more uh, with my life, so I I went to law school. I became a corporate attorney 12 years ago, and that's what I still do today. I've worked with large international law firms, mid-sized regional firms, and even uh, a small law firm. And and obviously now I, I run my own firm. Well, that is a great story. And, and before we move off that, uh, I just want to take a brief moment to say thank you for your service to our country. Um, it means everything you did, what you did so that we could enjoy the freedoms. Uh, and uh, I know none of us, uh, none of us take that for granted. So, so thank you so much for your service. Thank you. Uh, thank I you. do want to jump into a, a brief description of what your firm Concilium is, uh, its broader purpose in the marketplace, and actually how it works within the broader scheme of legal services. Yeah. So the way that I say it is this Concilium is the law firm that I would hire if I were acquiring services as a business owner. And if I can be somewhat direct, our impression of legal services in America is that there are many great legal minds and many successful law firms. Uh, But in the small and middle market in particular, my experience is that there are very few happy legal customers. Uh, my observation is that the law is complex and frustrating for most business owners. It's not intuitive or easy to predict, and it can be even harder to navigate. And people who have the, the people who have the right kind of skill to walk with business owners through legal matters, in my experience, don't always have the heart of the business owner in mind as they set out to help them solve the problem in question. So most attorneys are great problem solvers. I don't really think that's the issue, but rare, I think, is the attorney who is also a good teacher, a good communicator, uh, a patient person with a lot of empathy, or a person who wants to spend the time necessary to serve the client in the ways that are most important or meaningful to the client. And of course, the icing on the cake is at the end of a typical engagement, there's a big price tag involved. And we somewhat smugly expect our clients to appreciate the opportunity to have worked with us, having earned our our fees. And and in many cases, there's a a disconnect. 
they they got a result. They certainly got a bill, but in most cases, that's that's it. They're not really satisfied. They're still the same business owner as they were when they entered the engagement, and they have they haven't actually learned or or grown from the experience because they haven't been guided well. So it it's that problem that we're out to to solve. The problem being that most legal solution providers leave their clients with the opinion that working with a lawyer is a necessary evil and a costly one that in many cases doesn't really leave them any better than when they came. Hopefully they got a good result, but we think it's a little bit more than just results. We believe that our clients want a legal partner, someone who feels like a part of the team, even if they're not a W-2 employee on the payroll. Clients certainly want capable and competent counsel, but from our perspective, the real value in the exchange, the things that make people feel like they've actually been served is in the intangibles. So at Concilium, we take a coach approach to what we do. The legal matter certainly belongs to the client. The client is the hero of the story. They got the business to where it is now, and they're going to be the person that gets it to where it needs to go tomorrow. We are here to help. But because we're passionate and zealous advocates for our clients and have a really deep knowledge of our areas of expertise, uh, what we want to do is empower our clients with not only information, but the courage and the wisdom to use that information to not only solve their problem, but to grow and to learn and to make good decisions in the future. Um, you know, it sounds a little trite, but we want to leave our clients in a better position than they came to us. You know, that is what I have found unique in the marketplace. Rob, my experience on the uh, financial management side is often business owners don't know what they don't know. Uh, my guess is you probably experienced that as well. I do want to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, you made the assertion that you want to leave your clients better than how you found them and essentially indicating that your legal services add value to your clients, which, which I think is incredibly unique and, and fabulous. And so to be candid, few business owners that I know think of their attorneys as people who will add value to their business Attorneys are typically not known for, uh, you know, costing uh, a lot. Um, it's not always clear as to how they add value. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. And, and, and again, to be clear, people don't hire us because they have the ability to solve their problem. We're typically brought in for a discrete matter. There is something that requires our subject matter expertise. First and foremost, clients want their problems solved. Um, and they want it done in a way that they can appreciate the value of what they spent in the end. I have a lot of folks tell me, I'm not worried about the cost, but if I can't appreciate that what I spent was worth what I got, there's a huge disconnect. So it's really in between those two poles that we work. Um, I'm fond of saying this, and, and uh, I, I'm not sure how 
aware we are of this, but the business problems that I walk with people through are as emotional as they are financial or operational. And understanding that that is a real thing when a business owner is buying a business, when a business owner is selling a business, when a business owner is uh, leaving a partner or buying out a majority shareholder or dealing with a succession of, of an aging parent or transitioning the business to the next generation or dealing with a dispute of some sort. Knowing that this is in many ways as much emotional as it is financial or operational lets us take an approach to the client that helps us understand what are they really interested in? Who are we really dealing with here? What do they really want? What are their values and how do they define success? A lot of people want their problems solved, but they also want to know that they solve their problem in a way that's true to who they are and also true to what their brand represents in the end. And that's what we try to do. We try to align ourselves with our client's character and solve the problem in a way that that they define as best for themselves with our hope, with, or excuse me, with our help and with our, with our coaching. So I'm wondering if there are any common themes that you're seeing, uh, the advice that you offer to your business owner, business owners and executives who need business counsel. Um, you know, I, just a, just a couple things. When people typically need business counsel, they'll go and ask their friends. And some, sometimes that's a great way to find um, a, a business lawyer. More often than not, though, people don't look for an attorney until they need one. And, and it becomes a scramble to find somebody that can, that can give them quick advice, relieve some of the pain, deal with the, 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 the pressure and the stress that's building and, and chart a path forward. That's not always a, a bad thing, but I would, I would say that having a, a wise business attorney on your bench who knows you, who knows your business, who understands your culture and your interest well before you ever have a problem is always preferable to hiring somebody when you you have the problem. It's difficult enough to build relationships of trust with professional advisors. And that attorney-client relationship has to have trust because what people are coming to us and requesting our help with is oftentimes something that is significant. So without trust, we can't serve you well, it takes time to build that. Have somebody in your court well before the problems arise. And when they do arise, trust them to guide you in the direction in which you need to go. I think that's the biggest advice I'd give. That is great advice, too. A um, couple of things that uh, in our discussion today have really come through for me, Rob. First, your passion. Uh, you are passionate about serving your clients the whole idea of leaving them a little bit better uh, than you found them, uh, you know, the process uh, of serving them. Uh, again, something of a bold as, uh, assertion. I'm really wondering where does your interest in service come from? 
Can you share a little bit about that? I can, and, and thank you for for that. I, I appreciate the question. Um, I do have. I am a champion of the business owner, and I do value healthy and successful business a lot. I, I think uh, part of that comes from the fact that I just I have a servant's heart, and I always have. Before I was ever an attorney, I was an operator myself. And if I'm really honest, um, I probably relate to my clients a little bit better than I relate to other attorneys. So I, I know what it's like to have a big mission in front of you, a big job in front of you, a big problem in front of you, and limited resources with which to to solve that. I, I relate to that uh, inherently, and I and I, I feel my clients' pain. Um, I want to serve them, I think tangentially, but also importantly, I'm a business owner too. I've owned other companies and I now run my own firm. Uh, when I left Big Law a year ago to start Concilium, we had a bold vision and big goals to serve people well. We wanted to bring skilled representation, subject matter expertise, and a tremendous service model to a portion of the American business landscape that, as you know, is the foundation of our economy. If we can't help smaller middle market business owners um, succeed and operate their businesses well and solve their problems, then I'd, I'm not sure that we're oriented, we're oriented on the right side of the broader problem and doing our part. So that's just part of how I see the world. And, and, and maybe that's an answer also to your question. Yeah, I think so. And with with those things as core values and executing on those, uh, I have no doubt that uh, Concilium is going to add a lot of value in the marketplace in the future, Rob. So first, congratulations on a on a one year uh, benchmark that has probably come recently, and. Uh, uh, I'm excited about the future of you and, and Concilium as you go forward. If Thank someone you. wants to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, we, we have a website. I'm still, uh, I'm still updating it and, and we're still trying to make it uh, everything that it should be. Www, excuse me, www.concilium, C-O-N-S-I-L-U-M-L-S.com. On that website is uh, is is my phone number and my email, and I'm happy to uh, to interact with folks directly. Great. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, great interview, and certainly look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro business news, follow us on social media for the latest stories. If you want to listen to future ProfitSense podcasts, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is ProfitSense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.